Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Center Cut Podcast. We are back to talk about the Genesis Open. Um, I'm your host, Scott Perry, by the way. Uh, very quick recap. Um, congrats to Daniel Berger on the big win last week. It was pretty much a three-horse race with him, Spieth, and Cantlay. Um, I honestly thought Cantlay kind of was trending in the right direction to win the thing, and he actually probably had a shot at certain points down the stretch, but he just could not make a putt. Um, but he also rolled in every single putt on Thursday, so uh, just kind of how it goes. But I did have a small piece on Berger. I'm not going to take too much credit for going back-to-back on bets because I had, like, um, pieces of, like, eight different golfers. So um, still a small win. We'll take it. Uh, still ended in profit in that regard. DraftKings went okay. I had a little... Um, I had some decent 6-6 six six lineups that just couldn't quite get it going. Um a lot of Cantlay and Spieth teams. I didn't have quite enough burger. I did have one burger and Spieth team that cashed pretty decent. Um, but yeah, just a couple little things at the bottom of the card that didn't quite work out. But um, we're sort of done with golf preseason and uh, on to the big boy events now, which is sort of my bread and butter here. Um, and this event in particular is going to be absolutely loaded field. Um, sort of a big boy course like um this week we're playing at riviera um out on california this is the last event of the california swing before we head down to florida um so yeah this should be a pretty exciting event the field is absolutely loaded we got dustin johnson justin thomas john rom um brooks kepka we got bryson xander all the big names are here so i'm super excited for this one um, Riviera is a really tough track. It's it's notoriously a bomber's track. Um, there might not be a course on tour that is more reliant on course history. Um, I think 50, I heard a stat from someone on Betfair. Uh, 15 of the last 16 winners have played here at least five times. Um, there's also several uh, multi-time winners here. Um, the most notable being Bubba Watson. He actually, I don't, he might be the only multi-time winner, but there's a bunch of people who have like a bunch of really good finishes here. But Bubba's won here three times, um, so safe to say he is very comfortable here. It definitely fits his eye. Um, like I said, it's sort of a bomber's paradise. There are some tight spots off the tee, um, but the biggest part about this is the greens are really challenging. The green complexes are tough and. Um, you kind of need where course history comes into play a lot is actually on the short game aspect it seems like um, there's just very weird contours uh, the putts the greens are very quick um, and very bendy um, you have a lot of undulations and just it seems like the chipping you kind of need to know like where to where to leave your ball where to um, where the good misses are and also just in the short game perspective you need to know like which side of the hole you want to leave the ball on there's a lot of like nuances to this course that um, we see a weird thing where people with good short games sometimes don't play that well and then people sometimes with bad short games that have played here a lot um, can kind of make it work so um, it's going to be kind of interesting in that regard but um, definitely seems to be a top heavy event as far as how people finish Um, we'll talk about course history really fast since it's obviously very important this week Um, and I am incorporating it into my mixed condition model as well. Um, so that's going to be um, another sort of element of, of how I'm looking at everything. Um, 
So I'm going to pull up a few different stats here, but while I'm doing that, uh, tournament history, leader in strokes gained a, um, in the last five years on this course, strokes gained total, so that incorporates everything from driving to putting. Um, first place, Dustin Johnson, not a huge surprise. Uh, he has, uh, in the last five years, he has four out of the five he's top 10 he won in 2017 his worst finish in the last five years was a 16th in 2018 um yeah so his, his last five results in order 2020 he came in 10th uh year before he was 9th 16th as i said in 2018 first in 2017 and fourth in 2016 um so definitely can check the box of having played here at least five times he's played the last five times it was here um and he's also like i said he's pretty much a top 10 machine he's gaining by a decent, he's actually tied for first in strokes gained with number two on this list, Adam Scott, um, last year's champion. He also came in seventh in 2019, 11th in 2017, second in 2016. Um, 2018 seemed to be a tough year for a lot of the big dogs um, as he came in 53rd, but it's surrounded by all those other really good finishes. He also looked pretty good um, a few weeks ago at Torrey Pines. Um, so Adam Scott with a $9,000 price tag. I think I definitely have some interest there, um, depending on how crazy ownership gets on him. Um, next here is actually Rory, which I was surprised to hear. Um, he's played four of the last five years. He's gotten fifth, fourth, 20th, and 20th. Um, so the last two years, though, fourth and fifth. So two straight top fives here. He's obviously comfortable. Um, he was gaining a ton of strokes. We saw him at Waste Management. He had never played there before, but on Sunday, I think he shot like seven under. Um, so definitely good vibes coming in for Rory, and I suspect he might come in somewhat low-owned, um, but we'll have to see how that shakes out when I look at ownership here in a second. Um, next on the list is Bubba. We already talked about him. He has two wins in the last five years, three wins total. Um, but just to show you how sort of difficult this course can be and how things can be, this is sort of just Bubba in a nutshell. Uh, he missed the cut last year after coming off of a win in a top 15 the previous two. Um, He's also had a withdrawal in 2017, right after he had already won in 20. So basically, if you played him in 2016 and he won, and you went back to the well in 2017, he withdrew and you're probably pissed. So you might have faded him in 2018. Uh, and if I recall, 2018 was the year that he had he came out before the tournament and said that he was playing in the Celebrity All Star Game, and that if uh, if things got delayed with the weather and he was going to miss the Celebrity All-Star game, he would just withdraw. So people like all stayed off of him, were afraid to play him. They thought he maybe wasn't very focused on the task at hand. He ended up going out and winning the tournament that year in 2018. Um, as I said, he got 15th in 2019, and you probably played him last year sort of trying to ride a course history vibe with him, and he missed the cut. Uh, so that's just like Bubba in a nutshell, and I just want to get, like, I'm playing Bubba this week. I've already bet him at 50-1. to 1. I just want to be very clear to all the listeners here. I cannot get Bubba right. I think I actually, I, I, I believe I might have actually won a bet on him in 2018 when he won. Um, so I've definitely hit bets on Bubba in the past, um, and uh, he's definitely won me some DraftKings money at times. Um, but just in general, I would say like 80% of the time, I completely get Bubba wrong. I fade him when he wins. I play him when he misses the cut. Um, I played him at the waste management pretty heavy, and he almost missed the cut. Ended up backdooring like a top 20. Um, so that was actually sort of a weird uh, weird scenario that isn't normally. Normally it's like you know with Bubba on the first three or four holes if he's just 
going to be trunk slamming it or if he's going to win the event. Um, so it's sort of weird to see him like sort of just treading water. I felt like at the waste management, the ball striking was okay. He just couldn't make a putt. Like I was looking at his scorecard. He wasn't even making a lot of big numbers and like making a lot of birdies like normally is his style. He was literally just powering every hole. Um, so I don't really know what to make of that, but, um, the short-term ball striking has still been trending in the right direction. And I think at 8,900, um, I will have some interest there, especially with course history built in. Um, but again, just know if you're, if you're taking Bubba, it's just, it's an incredibly volatile situation. You're pretty much betting on his upside and you just have to be prepared to, uh, you know, suffer the the consequences of, of a Bubba miscut. So um, keep that in mind. But uh, moving on down the list of course history, Matt Kuchar, uh, I'm not really trusting where his game's at. I think uh, he's sort of obviously on the honeymoon of his career, um, or not the honeymoon, I don't know what to call it, like his retirement party. Uh, honeymoon is definitely not the right word, um, unless he's like getting remarried. Um, but yeah, I don't know what to make of it. He did come in second last year, um, but he just hasn't been the same guy in like the last calendar year that we've seen him. Um, he also had like three top 25s before that, and then the eighth in 2016. Um, so he's definitely comfortable here. The price is 7,200, which is like, that's actually kind of where I like to play Kuchar sometimes. Um, if you need like a guy, since at 7,200, all he really needs to do is like, you know, make the cut for you and then maybe backdoor like a top 30 or something. Um, which I think he's definitely capable of at that price tag. I just, uh, I wouldn't say I'm super over the moon about playing Kuchar this week. I just don't know where his game's at. Sung Kang is next in the course history model. He has weird, uh, weirdly good history here. He's 6,500. He made the cut last week, so things are somewhat trending, and you don't really need him to do much. If you're just looking for a guy to make the cut at 6,500, I think uh, especially if the conditions are really tough, he plays really well in tough, windy conditions. Um, but yeah, last year he came in second. He had a 64 in 2019, 16th in 2018, 22nd in 2017, and 8th in 2016. So um, obviously there's volatility. That's what you kind of get with a guy who's 6,500. Um, but I could see that as sort of like a punt play. Uh, next on the list, Justin Thomas. Sort of a weird anomaly. Last year he missed the cut here, but in the years prior he came in 2nd, 9th, 39th, 54th. Um, but yeah, the second and the ninth and the two of the last three years, still very promising. I think he's flying under the radar right now. Um, I'm always a huge Justin Thomas fan. I'm, I didn't want to bet him at the 14 to one number. The lowest number I bet was, um, Bryson at 18 to one. Um, I think Justin's actually 12 to one. Um, cause I just thought Bryson was actually a good price for him. The bets I've made, I'll just tell you now, um, Bryson was the lowest odds I bet. I do have some interest, even though I already won my 50 to one on Brooks. He's down to 25 to one now. I still think that price is actually kind of okay. Um, I just think it's hard to win back-to-back -back tournaments, no matter who you are in golf, especially in the loaded field like this. Um, but you know, I could sort of see a Brooks Brooks narrative as well. But um, yeah, I bet Bryson. I also bet Colin Morikawa 33 to one, um, and then I bet Bubba at 50 to one. Uh, there are some long shots that I'm debating, but, um, I truly don't think, uh, I think your win equity is almost zero if you're picking a guy above 50 to one this week. Um, so I'm sort of keeping it at the top of the card. If I can, I'm trying to find good value there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at next on the list, Jason Kokrak. He has a second back in 2016, but since then he's only had a couple of top twenties and he missed the cut last year. Um, so 
Um, at 8,000, I'm not in love with the price, but he does kind of fit the bill here. He's long off the tee. Um, I could sort of see a narrative there with the course history being, I'd just call it okay course history, even though the stats say it's a little better than okay. Um, I don't know. I, I just think a lot of that's baked in. Kokrak could probably, I think he's like the same player as some of the guys in like the low sevens, um, which is what gives me a little bit of pause, but um, yeah, he's still, he's still popping in the, in the uh, tournament history. So at least worth a look. JB Holmes, if you want to get really random, he's won here in 2019. He had an 11th in 2016. He's one of like the strokes gain putting leaders at this course, weirdly enough over like a long term. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you want another punt play 6,500, he's also like 300 to one in the betting markets. Um, if you want to just take a complete long shot, he does kind of fit like he's just a classic bomber. Um, but you know, I'm not going to be playing JB Holmes. If you want to take a stab, that's fine with a course history sort of narrative there. Next on the list is Cantlay. I do have some interest there, especially if he goes a little overlooked in a bigger field. Um, he's got a 17th, a 15th, and a 4th in the past three years at this event. Um, those are pretty good. He's also just, he's hitting the shit out of the ball. Um, he's trending in the right direction. We know he can win in tough events. Um, I definitely like Cantlay. I, I would say that my strategy this week, I'm tending to find myself starting at the top. I think um, the pricing is soft enough that you can kind of fit a lot of the big guys, and I just think I'd prefer to start with a guy like Justin Thomas or Dustin Johnson, Rory, one of those three, um, rather than starting with a guy like Cantlay, although I do see some merits to a balanced build. I think this week with soft pricing, it's kind of like a major type of pricing. Like a lot of guys that we saw, even in like weaker events a few weeks ago, in like the 8k range are now down in like the 6800 range uh the low sevens so like i think there's there's uh a lot of merit to going stars and scrubs here uh, if you want to get a little different i think a lot of people probably start at the top then maybe grab a guy in the 9ks and then build sort of down through the sevens um i think you could get away with maybe jamming two of the top guys like dustin and justin um i know rom's getting a lot of buzz this week i think if you want to start with like rom and xander um, something like that. I'm trying to mix a, li a little Bryson in to give myself a little more variance. I think he also has been trending okay. His, so Bryson's last three events, he's getting better every time. 41st in 2018, 15th in 2019, and he got fifth last year. So um, I definitely have some interest in Bryson, especially because he fits like everything you need here. Um, he's a bomber off the tee. Like I said, I already bet him for this reason too. He's a bomber off the tee. He's got a fantastic short game. He's a world-class putter, and if you look at his, his results last times, he played here. It was a lot of like he was striking the ball pretty well and then just couldn't putt, and normally he's historically a very good putter, so um, I'm not too worried about that. And I think if he comes in under the radar, because a lot of people are just paying up to Justin, Dustin, Rory, and Rom, um, if he's going overlooked, I think his price is in sort of a good spot where... Um, I kind of like mixing him in as my first guy sometimes. Um, but to that point, and, and sort of getting back to the Cantlay thing, I think uh, they also correlate very closely together in a lot of like tournaments. I see them on the same leaderboards. Specifically, the Memorial comes to mind. They've both won there. Um, so I kind of, if, if I kind of like putting Cantlay with Bryson, and I think starting with those two at the top could get you a little bit different. Um, and still, I think, gives you enough win equity with Bryson in there. Like I said, Cantley, I think, is a great second guy in. Um, 
if you're trying to do that stars and scrubs i think his price he's down at 9600 i think that's that's a really fair price and i think it's a good number um, to have some interest there uh, next in course history and then i'll move on to the stats once i get a few of these guys checked off the list here mark leishman um, they priced him up to 8600 but he's been striking the ball really well um, trending in the right direction but he has kind of like mixed bag history here he has a fifth in 2016 he missed two straight cuts 2017 2018 but then he bounced back in 2019 with a fourth place um, last year he came in 43rd but i think we need to remember with leishman like the entire last year um, i think pre-covid he might have been okay which i th i think this event i'm pretty sure this was like right before covid hit or something um so I think he was doing okay, but then post-COVID, I'm pretty sure, is when it started, or maybe it was even before that, but he was in, like, a really bad spot, um, just not playing well at all for, for several weeks. Uh, but now I think uh, I have a little more confidence in where his game's at, and with the course history with two top fives here in the last five years, um, I think there is some merit, especially if he goes overlooked because his price tag is, is inflated a little bit. Um, I think he could be kind of a sneaky guy, especially if the conditions get really hard. He's good at, like, working in and out of trouble. He's uh, got a decent short game. Um, he's kind of, like, built, like, a big brick shit house, kind of like Bryson. So just, like, I always feel better with, like, those big guys who can't get toppled over in the wind. I know that might be just a weird theory, but, like, I don't know. I just kind of like uh, when the conditions get ugly, some of the, some of the, big, the big monster bombers out there. Um, not that Leishman's like a total bomber, but I think he just hits long irons well. Um, he kind of fits some of the things here, so I do have some interest. I'm not going to get overboard because I do think the price is a little out of whack, but um, I do like him as like a, a GPP stab as like your, um, if you're going superstars and scrubs, I think maybe you put him as like your third guy in. Um, I don't really love having him as like my second guy in. I prefer um, to kind of get a little more... Um, like if Bu he's right next to Bubba, I like Bubba's volatility and the ability to win um, the event a little more. Um, but again, Leishman, I think, is a decent little low-owned pivot if he stays low-owned. Um, next is Xander. Uh, we know how good he's been playing. I forget if it was last week uh, when I was sort of saying that um, Xander just keeps... I keep talking myself out of him every week, and then he keeps just doing the same shit he... I, but the, the problem with Xander every week is like the guy just has to, to quote Jeff Feinberg like he just has a bag of magic beans with him when it comes to the putter like he just he's he just rolls everything in 30 feet 50 feet he needs a like 20 footer for par boom misses the green atrociously chips up hits a bad chip shot and then he'll roll in like a you know a 25 foot bender for par and it's just like how many times can this guy he has like he's like a cat with like 50 lives like i i don't get it um he is priced in like a little bit more fair of a spot but again he's only 200 uh less than bryson he's only a few hundred less than justin thomas like um i definitely don't want to have him be my first guy in um but again like if he's just going to get second in every event, that still is going to score you a lot of DraftKings points. If you can somehow nail the winner and have Xander as your second guy in and get six of six through the cut with a bunch of scrubs, um, you know, more power to you. I and, and again, I think he's going to be really popular, as he always is lately. Um, so here I am again, talking myself out of Xander. Um, I will say that this is kind of a different animal, whereas Xander, I think, has more merit in some of the fields we've seen, even though I didn't play him. Um now we're in a big boy field where um 
you know, Xander can still have good performances. I just think it's it's really tough for him to win uh, in an event like this. And you're kind of paying a price where you need him to, like, top five, um, which is, you know, always possible to Xander. I just think uh, it just depends how you're constructing your lineups. I don't like him as a first guy in, like I said, because of the win equity, I think, is just a little lower than some of the other guys. But as a second or third, I mean, he's never going to be your third guy in, but as a second guy in... Um, I think I could I could get behind it if you are sort of careful how you build the rest of your lineup around him. Um, so Vaughn Taylor's next on the course history. I don't think he fits here well, which is kind of strange. He has a 20th, a 9th, and a 13th, and he's only 6,700. He played okay last week too. Um, if you want to just kind of ride the wave there, I just think uh, his length off the tee, he's very short, so there is some, uh, some concern there. Um, but yeah, I mean... His form's okay, and the course history is pretty solid. So I can see it as like a 6,700 punt if you need like a guy to make a cut. Um, I don't hate it, but I prefer guys. I'll get I'll get to that range when we go through stats. Um, I kind of prefer maybe grabbing some more bomber type of guys in that range uh, that I think give you just as much upside. Uh, so Bryson's next on the course history. We already talked about him. But yeah, 41st, 15th, and 5th. He's getting better every year. Um, he fits like everything I want to see here. He's going to be one of my highest-owned golfers. I think him and Justin Thomas are kind of where I'm going to be starting, uh, just based on sort of ownership. Um, unless Rory slips through the tracks, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm starting out. Uh, Carlos Ortiz has decent history here, and he's been playing really well. I do have some interest there at 7,800. I fear that he might be the highest-owned golfer on the slate this week because um, the price and the course history, and he's been playing. I think he came in top five last week. Um, or was that at the Waste Management? I can't remember. His last event he played, I'm pretty sure he got top five. Um, so, like, I, I definitely like Carlos Ortiz as, like, a safer play in cash if you need some salary relief. Um, but as far as GPPs, if he's going to be, like, 20% owned, I think it's a little concerning, and I think you got to make some pivots off of him. Um, Kevin Na is a guy, 7,900. We haven't seen him in a few weeks. He's going to be virtually unowned because, like I said, he's surrounded by Carlos Ortiz. There's a couple other guys in the 7,500 range that are going to be popular. Um I think Kevin Na, he has a fourth and a second here in 2017-2018. He missed the cut last year. He's 33rd in 2019. Um, so it's sort of a mixed bag, but he's shown that upside second and fourth in the past uh, two of the past four years. Um, I think there could be some merit to Kevin Na as well. Um, nobody ever, nobody else really of huge note down here. Hideki has decent course history, a ninth and a fifth, but I just don't think he's the same player right now. Um, Rom's only played here twice, it looks like, unless something beyond the last five years. Um, so he doesn't have as much experience here as I'd like in a guy priced this way, but he does have a ninth and a 17th. So obviously he didn't have too hard of a time, but, but quite frankly, like if you're paying 10,400 for Rom, like you can't afford for him to come in 17th. Like, I know it looks okay, and, you know, it's not going to kill you, but, like, you're, you're paying up for Rom. He's probably your first guy in your lineup. You need him to win the fucking thing if you're going to win money. Um, so, you know, 17th just isn't acceptable. If, if you played him last year, you're probably a little disappointed. Um, that being said, uh, I think he's kind of hit another gear uh, this year, like, end of last year, beginning of this year. Um, I do expect him to win very soon. I actually kind of have him pegged for as a major winner this year. I'm not sure. Maybe Kiowa for the U.S. Open, or, or is that the PGA? Um, 
I don't know. I think uh, I do think it's going to be a big year for Rom. I just don't know if this is the track that he gets it done. Um, especially if he's coming in high owned, I might have to look elsewhere. But um, I mean, he's a great player. He um, checks a lot of boxes stats wise. So and he's popping as the number one most likely to win in the simulator. So you know, maybe I'm a little off base here. I don't want to really talk shit on Rom because he's a fantastic player. I just kind of prefer Dustin and Justin um, in this particular event, in this particular spot, um, especially if I think Justin's going to be like half the ownership, which is possible. Um, and there's a chance Justin gets steamed. Like this happens a lot where a guy, he was coming in showing up as 10% owned, but everybody's been kind of talking about that. So I could see Justin's ownership creeping up a little, but... Um, I still just think a lot of people are just going to gravitate to DJ and Rom ownership-wise. And if that's the case, I think it's it's a really good spot to pivot to guys like Justin and Bryson here. So um, we will move on to the stats here. There's nobody else who's really jumping out with course history. Siwoo Kim has a third here, but he missed three cuts before that. So <laughs> it's like, that's the thing about this course. It's it's pretty difficult. And uh, it can kind of like, like Charlie Hoffman missed his last two cuts. He got a 41st in 2018, but then he came in fourth in 2017. Um, so there's just like, it's kind of a mixed bag for a lot of these guys. Um, but I think experience here definitely plays a good part. Um, a lot of the guys I love, like Cam Champs, missed three straight cuts here. Molinari's missed three straight cuts here. Daniel Lee's missed five straight cuts here. I don't like him anyway. Uh, Daniel Berger withdrew, but he doesn't have good history here either. Um, Kyle Stanley's history is a mixed bag. Like, it's just kind of ugly with a lot of these guys who are kind of younger, maybe less experienced with the layout. Um, Matthew Wolf missed the cut last year, but he's actually a guy I still kind of want to... It's, I've talked about with some of these young guys that sometimes it's better to jump on the train early when you, you kind of see they might turn things around. Um, there was a U.S. Amateur that got played here in 2017, so a lot of the young guys have at least played this one time. Um, so it, uh, the U.S. Amateur is a mix of stroke play and match play. Um, and the winner of the event was Doc Redman, who's in this field. I think he's like 6,600, um, so he might be definitely a guy to at least take a peek at uh, and he beat out Doug Gim the Gim Reaper in 2017 in the finals um, they both played phenomenal at this course um, I think Doug Gim is definitely of interest this week he's 6900 it's a, just a, another bad misprice after he keeps playing well uh, so I'm definitely gonna have some some shares there uh, other other notable people who played in that event we had Sam Burns we had uh, who else there was a bunch of different people um, oh uh, Joaquin Neiman, who I like this week. Um, yeah, there was just like, there's a decent amount of people uh, who played in that one. Uh, I'm trying to remember anybody else of note. Oh, Morikawa played. He did okay. Um, like I said, Matthew Wolf played. I think all the uh, Oklahoma State guys played. Um, Hovland played. Hovland did not play well, but that was pre. Um, that was like back in the day when he legitimately. Uh, just couldn't chip. Now he's still bad, bad at chipping. But I think back then he was like legitimately like it was as if he had just learned to play golf and like just didn't know what he was doing. Um, I think Scotty Scheffler was in that as well. I think he played pretty solid. So um, there's definitely a lot of guys who have at least seen this course one time um, that could give them at least a little more confidence coming in. Um, and also another thing to note about this week. Um, it's only a, it's an invitational, so there's only 120 golfers as opposed to the normally 156 or whatever it is, um, or is it 165? 
Um, but either way, about 52% of the people are going to make the cut this week. So you still get 65, uh, 65 in ties through the cut line. So um, I think it's a week you can definitely introduce a little more variance and a little more risk into your portfolio here since half, literally half the field is going to make the cut, a little more than half the field. Um, so I'm a little more inclined to swing for the fences. It's another reason I like the Stars and Scrubs approach um, because you just have a higher percentage of six of six lineups. Um, and if you can get some guys with a lot of win equity at the top and a couple of your guys at the bottom squeak through, um, it could be a really tasty week. Um, but it's also a good week to try to get some ownership leverage as well. So um, we are off to the races here. We're just going to take a quick peek at ownership and see if anybody's getting egregious overnight. Last I looked, it was pretty spread out on the top. Um, so right now it's looking like Xander is the highest owned golfer, um, followed by Cantlay. So that kind of surprises me, to be honest. I was expecting Dustin. He's actually the fourth. Tony Finau is coming in as the third highest owned. Um, which is a concern, but I think Tony's playing great. Tony also has good history here. Um, he has at least like two top fives, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he came in second in 2018, 15th in 2019, and 51st last year. Um, but he also missed two cuts prior, so, you know, just a mixed bag. But that second in 2018 shows that he definitely can, uh, can at least pop up at certain times. Um, like I said, DJ's the fourth highest owned, John Rahm's the fifth. Carlos Ortiz coming in at six highest owned golfer, 18% projected. A um, little scary. Again, cash game play, going to have to think about that in GPPs. Unless I'm getting super different elsewhere, it might be kind of tough. Um, Bryson's actually sliding up the ownership projections. He's coming in around 15%, um, which isn't terrible. Like I would say my rule of thumb with any of the guys at the top, I don't really give a shit about ownership um, on like from a macro perspective, I think it's just you need the winner in your lineup. Um, if you're feeling really good about a guy, I think you just jam him in, get different elsewhere. I will say, um, if there's ever somebody who's like 10% or lower or hovering around 10%, I think that almost turns into like a must-play situation in GPPs unless the guy's like in really bad form or the course is just like a little wonky. But typically, um, with these high high price guys, there's not really any course that, that isn't good for them. So... Um, Definitely going to stick with Bryson. Hovland's coming in high owned, decently high owned as well, around 15%. Um, but really, anybody in this like 15 range, I'm not that worried about. Um, it's really just Carlos Ortiz at that price that's getting a little scary. Um, everybody else, Hovland, Adam Scott, Colin Murakawa, they're all in that 13 range. Justin Thomas still projecting around somewhere between 13 and 11%. Um, I expect him to be more around like 12, 13% just because he has been getting talked up a little bit. But I still think it, as far as the guys at the top, it's looking like Justin and Rory are actually the two lowest owned, which was kind of expected. I expected Bryson um, to be in that mix too, but he's been getting a little steam on some pods as well. So um, yeah, it looks like Justin and Rory are the really nice pivots at the top of the board. Um, especially, I mean, I just like both of them have really good course history here. I don't know if you can fit them both in and be super comfortable. They're both one, Justin's 10-7, Rory's 10-5. Um, I think either one, though, are fantastic GPP plays um, this week just to get yourself a little bit of leverage on the rest of the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that Cantlay's double the ownership of Justin Thomas, um, you know, 
and I like Cantley. Same with Xander. Xander's double the ownership of Justin Thomas. Like that just shouldn't be the case. Um, provides you a lot of a lot of edge there. So um, yeah, that's kind of the ownership perspective. Nobody's really jumping out as like egregiously overowned. And um, if we're looking at like, I always like to look at like what salary range is getting overlooked here. Um, oh, so one other thing I want to point out. Now that I've sorted by salary, Brooks Kepka. He's coming in at 8% projected ownership, coming off a win. Um, and his price isn't that prohibitive. He's 9,700. Like I said, I think if you're going to start in the nines, I think he's the guy you start with. I think you could even jam like him and Cantlay in as your top two, then work your way through. Um, and if Brooks is your second guy in, like if you want to go absolutely bonkers and, and try to jam like Dustin, Justin, or Rory with Brooks, like that's that's pretty interesting as well. Um but yeah, Brooks Kepka at 8%. I mean, that's kind of like a lock button play for me in a lot of ways. I think he fits the course fine. I think this is, if this turns into like a really grind fest big boy event where like the, the winning scores under double digits, we're talking like nine under or something. I think Brooks is a perfect candidate to, to win this thing. He's obviously played with a lot of confidence. Um, so yeah, I think Brooks is scary, especially at low ownership. I, I think I definitely have some interest there. Um, it looks like this, uh, so it does look like Stars and Scrubs might be the preferred um, path this week because I'm seeing a lot of dead ownership in like this mid-eights range, everywhere from like Mark Leishman down to Matthew Wolf. They're all kind of in that 5 to 6% range. Um, Max Homa at 8,200, he's getting some steam. He's coming in more around 12%, um, and I do like him this week, so I'm still probably going to eat a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, it seems like that mid-range is actually coming pretty under-owned, uh, and we're seeing some higher concentration of ownership down the board here a little more, like Taylor Gooch is coming in around 10% at 7,200. I am I do think he fits this course okay, but like I just think if I can get somebody else in the sevens, like Brendan Steele, who's a California guy, he's coming in around 8%. Um, I'd sort of prefer him or Wyndham Clark, who's 63, uh, 6.3%. Um, I kind of like guys like that at a lower ownership. Kyle Stanley, he's the he's seven uh, seven thousand. Doug Gim, 69. He's coming in around 10%, um, like we expected. Um, I kind of prefer those guys over a high-owned Taylor Gooch. Um, so that's kind of one pivot there. Sam Burns and that mid seven to five hundred range is coming in kind of high owned. Same with Cam Davis. I'm a big Cam Davis fan. I, I like him this week as well. Um, so him and Corey Connors are sort of the other guys that are going to show up with some ownership uh, this week in the sevens. But yeah, sort of that that mid eights range is going to be very low owned. Um, I like Cam Smith at 8400 up there. I already talked about Homa and Wolf, I think, are good plays, and Leishman might be a nice pivot, especially if he's coming in around 5-6%. Um, I think this, there might be some opportunities there in that sort of upper mid-8s range if you want to get different in tournaments. All right, so let's get into the stats. Um, I'm going to start off with just my standard stats, and then I am going to blend in. I have some blended stats with course history built in as well. Um, so we'll start with just the, the basic stats. Um, I built a pretty complex model this week because I think this is a tough course with a lot. I wanted to get capture some of the long iron stats um, because it's it's a lot of like really long second shots on this course. It's not a wedge fest like we've seen previous few events. 
Um, this is a big boy course where at times they can even take the driver out of your hand um, and then you're forced to hit like a six iron into some tight greens. There are some par threes on this course that are like almost unreachable for some guys where they're hitting three wood uh, off the tee to get there. So um, I think you definitely want some guys with length, not just off the tee, which does correlate well as well, but length in the long iron categories. So mixed in some stats from proximity 150 to 175, 175 to 200 and 200 plus. Um, added in driving distance and good drives gained. Green and regulations gained seem to be a good correlation here. Um, and then the standard stuff, opportunities gained, strokes gained approach, strokes gained ball striking. Did mix in some short game stuff as well this week just because the greens are tough, the green complexes are tough. If you miss, you're gonna be missing a ton of greens and it's sort of just sort of staying alive um, in a lot of these cases. So, um, and with all that in, it spit out a really sort of uh, top heavy stat ranking here that makes me feel like I'm on the right track. It almost follows DraftKings pricing pretty close. Um, so yeah, I was pretty happy with how this came out. Um, and first in the model is Dustin Johnson. Surprise, surprise. He is first in many categories, first in approach, first in ball striking. These are all stats from the last 24 rounds. Uh, yeah, so first in approach, first in ball striking, first tee to green, first in opportunities gained, first in green and regulations gained, fifth in driving distance, fourth in good drives gained. Um, the proximity iron stats, he's top 25 in the 150 to 175 column. He's 85th and 35th in the longer irons. But what I'll say about Dustin is um, he probably just doesn't hit a lot of really long iron shots because he's so long off the tee that I really am more concerned with him or the guys of his length. That 150 to 175 range I think is a little more important. But yeah, I mean, just across the board, he checks every single box. Um, I think if you're going to pay all the way up, it's got to be him or Justin um, this week, personally. But I think, you know, you can't go wrong with Rom and, and Rory either. But um, I just think I'm going to be focusing on either paying all the way up for Dustin or going down just a slight discount to Justin, um, who is number two in my model, Justin Thomas. Uh, his He is 10th in approach, 5th around the green, 16th ball striking, 5th tee to green, 5th opportunities gained, 7th. In he's 7th, 18th, and 15th in the long iron stats, which is really nice. That's some of the best, that's like the best blend of all three iron categories in the field by like a pretty decent margin. Um, so I'm feeling really good about him this week. Uh, driving distance, he's always middle of the pack. He's about th between 30th and 40th, um, depending on what kind of time frames you're looking at. Uh, but yeah, that's that's fine for a guy with all the who does everything else right. Um, definitely have a ton of interest in Justin this week um, especially with those first two guys too I think you can add the course history stuff on top of them and it's even better so um, definitely confident at the top of the board there John Rahm as I said can't really go wrong with him I think I'm going to stay away just from an ownership perspective I like some of the other guys better but he's still a great play this week he's third in my model 18th in approach third in ball striking third tee to green third in opportunities gained ninth in uh the longer proximity stats, 12th in the longest proximity iron stat, 17th in driving distance. Uh, yeah, he just kind of checks all the boxes. Um, he's playing really well. He's got a couple good rounds under his belt. I think he has like back-to-back -back top tens. Um, so yeah, I, I totally see Rom um, as a good play. I just prefer, like I said, Dustin and Justin. Um, but it's like, you know, we're talking about an edge of like 2%. Like, I, I don't think there's an enormous difference. It's more of an ownership play for me, especially with the Justin situation. Um, next in the model, Colin Morikawa. I are, like I said, I already bet him this week. Um, I think he's a California guy. He puts better on POA. 
Um, the only thing that's a little scary, so Colin Morikawa sucks at putting, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. He's changed his putting group this week. He's using something called the saw method, not to be confused with the claw. It's really weird looking. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Apparently he was getting putting tips from Marco Mira, um, who's a good putter, but like, <laughs> I just, it's kind of a weird thing to be hearing before, after I've already placed a bet on him heading into this tournament. Um, but truly, the reason I'm not that concerned is like it can't get any worse. Like putting is the thing holding him back the most. Maybe he finds something. I'm not as confident that he can come out and win an event using a new putting stroke the first time. But um, so a little concerning. But I think still in DraftKings, I think he's a fine play. Um, he is fourth in my model. Like I said, he's fifth in approach. 26th around the green, 13 ball striking, 12th tee to green, 17th opportunities gained. He's first in the 175 to 200 proximity stat. He's ninth in good drives gained. Um, he's very accurate off the tee. He's 21st in the 200 plus iron play. He's 150 to 175. He's 23rd. So um, he's top 25 in like every category. He's He pops in the approach category in fifth. Um, I think he is at a fair price this week it's not fantastic price but it's it's okay um, and it's good enough I think for me to get behind on DraftKings like I said I've already bet him I wish I would have known the putting info before the bet but it is what it is I didn't put that's why I don't bet massive until the majors come around um, but yeah don't mind having a little sprinkle on him in DraftKings next in the model is Brooks Kepka. we talked about him at ownership he's fifth in the model I think he is an absolute smash play especially in GPPs um, if people are gun shy about playing him after a win I think he's the type of guy that could win two in a row when he's playing with confidence he is uh, sixth in approach 11th in ball striking 16th tee to green, he's first, he's tied for first. Um, or no, he's just outright first in the 150 to 175 range. He's eighth in 175 to 200. Um, so he definitely has the good long irons we're looking for. He's 20th in driving distance. Um, and that's sort of a short-term number, so that might even be a little deflated. He's probably closer to like the top 15 in driving distance if you look long-term. Um, so yeah, definitely have a lot of interest in Brooks this week. Next in the model, Tony Finau. You can't avoid him. Um, I, I'm hoping the price keeps the ownership down a little. I think we already talked about that's probably not the case. Yeah, he's, uh, what did I say? Yeah, he's like um, fifth or something. He's third, Jesus. Yeah, so that's that's tough, but um, I still like Tony uh, regardless. He's 21st in approach, 20th around the green, 20th ball striking. 13th tee to green, he's 4th in the proximity long iron stats, 150 to 175. He's also 4th in 200 plus. So really good with the long irons, really good at tough courses. He's 12th in driving distance, which is an edge this week. Um, he also has decent course history here. Uh, so I think the price is the biggest concern, and I'm actually surprised he's that high owned because of the price and because he literally just doesn't win tournaments. Um, but he's great for a top five. Um, so I can get behind it. I still do kind of prefer um, guys like Brooks to him for just 400 bucks more. Um, but I could totally see Tony as like your second or third guy in if you're going super top heavy. Um, I, I could totally get behind that. Xander, seventh in the model. We know kind of his game. It's He just does everything well. Um, 23rd in approach, 12th in ball striking, 7th tee to green, 15th opportunities gained. 
Um, he's sort of in the 30s across the board on the long iron stats, um, 24th in driving distance. Uh, he just he, He's probably a pretty good lock to make the cut every week. He's just a really consistent player. He, um, If he keeps rolling the putter like he is, he has a chance to win. I just think the putting has been covering up some of the um, you know, mixed bag of ball striking stuff, but um, you know, I'm sort of sick of getting burned by him, so I might have just a small taste on DraftKings. Um, but yeah, he is, um, I think in a big boy field, I'm a little less inclined to pay this much for him, but um, the stats are fine. Uh, the next guy who's, uh, finally we have a cheap guy popping up in the model. I thought, you know, we're not gonna be able to fit all these big guys. Um, Keegan Bradley comes up here. Uh, we know the story with him. He's second in approach, he's second in ball striking, fourth in opportunities. 60 to green, second in the long iron stats. He's actually top 25 in all three, um, or at least two of the three. He's 26th in green regulation gained. He's 20th in good drives gained. Um, he's literally popping in every single stat, but we know how it goes with him. He's one of the worst putters on the planet, and no matter how good he hits it, if you can't roll in a five-foot birdie putt, like what's the difference with someone who hits the ball 20 feet from the pin and someone who hits the ball five feet from the pin. If neither of them make a putt, I don't really give a shit. Um, so that's kind of the issue with Keegan. I think at 7,200 in a tough field, um, with that price, I could sort of see some merit when all he really needs to do is maybe like top 25 for you, which is possible. I think he could make the cut here. Um, he fits a lot of the stats, but um, he's just a scary guy to roster because, like, it's not just, like, a short-term putting issue. It's, like, he has never been able to putt in his entire career. And he's not just bad. He's, like, literally the worst. Um, so, don't love that. Next is Neiman. I, I'm a big fan of Neiman. 8800 I think, is a fair price. He's been playing really well. I think he has back-to-back -back second places. Um, he is 16th in approach, 5th in ball striking, 4th tee to green. 12th opportunities gained, 15th in proximity stats we like on the irons. He's 9th in driving distance. Um, yeah, I think he plays decently well at courses like this. Um, he's he's sort of a sneaky bomber, too, off the tee, and he's very accurate. Um, I totally can get behind Neiman this week. The only concern is the lack of... Um, he's played here, like I said, in the U.S. Amateur, um, but the lack of, like... A ton of really big rounds here uh, could be a little scary, but I think as like a second or third guy in, I think he definitely has some some merit there. Next is Will Z. Will Zalatoris. He burned me last week. Even though he made the cut, he just kind of sucked. Um, I don't know if this course fits him to a T, but he is like in every stat, and he's probably going to be very low owned. Um, but it's a really tough field, so it's hard to say. Um, I think he's definitely risky, but in GPPs, I don't mind taking a stab. He's 12th in approach, um, 36th around the greens, 9th in ball striking, 9th tee to green, 5th in long irons. Um, he's 11th, 12th, and 5th in the three long iron categories I have built in here. Um, 16th in driving distance. So I think he checks a lot of boxes. Um, not sure like where his confidence levels are at after last week. I also, this is a pretty big course um, and a tough field, and his price is not um, as low as I kind of expected. So with those three factors in mind, I think he comes in very low owned, but I think he carries a lot of risk with him. Um, so I definitely wouldn't be like jamming him into a cash lineup or a multiplier, but 
um, if you're playing like the big GPP and you need a low owned guy, um, I think you can. I can sort of get behind that as a play. Um, next on the list, Harold Varner. Uh, he's 11th in my model. He burned me so bad last week. Missed the cut on the number. Um, just a, sort of a weird week overall. Um, but getting back on the train, he's somewhat long off the tee. He's only 6,700 this week. If you just need a guy to make the cut and maybe cruise into like a top 20 somehow, I don't mind it. Um, he's 22nd in approach, 11th around the green, 23rd ball striking. Um, he's sort of mid-20s in the iron stats, um, 12th in opportunities gained. At 6,700, he also has like, I think, decent course history here. Not great, but um, I don't know. I think... Uh, I think I could see some merit there. Russell Henley, he's third in approach. We've talked about his world-class ball striking. Seventh in 175 to 200 proximity. Um, he's 11th, 14th, and 19th in strokes gain, teeting green, opportunities gain, and green regulation. Um, seventh in ball striking. He, he just hits the shit out of the ball. I don't think this is, like, the perfect course for him, um, but... It's, it's coastal. He doesn't mind coastal tracks. Um, if it gets a little windy, a little ugly, I think he could be a nice play. And at 7800 I think the price is sort of in a good spot. That I'm probably going to go back to the well with Henley. I just can't resist. He's one of my favorite guys. Um, so going to have a little bit of Henley. Hovland is next in the model. He fits everything you want to do with this course as well. Um, so it really just... Uh, it's going to come down to if the short game catches up with him because it is really bad still. Um, but he pops in a lot of stuff. He's 18th ball striking, third in green regulations gained, second in the long irons, 200 plus. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think I definitely have some interest there. Corey Connors as well, 7,500. He's sixth in opportunities gained, fourth in green regulation, fifth, 15th in ball striking, 20th tee to green, second in good drives gained. He played well at the Masters, which is a comp course for this. Um, I definitely like some Connors, 7,500. Doug Gim, next to my model. We know we love him, 6,900. 17th in approach, 22nd around the greens, 15th long irons, um, 23rd tee to green. Um, definitely have some interest in Dougie Boy at 6,900. Um, Matthew Naismith, I'm probably going to fade him this week, even though he pops in the stats. I just like him at shorter, easier tracks, and I think the price... Um, is a little bit up for how tough this field is. Bubba Watson, 17th on my model. He's still second tee to green in the last 24 rounds. He's fourth in ball striking. So the ball striking is still there. He's at a course he's comfortable at. Um, I think he can make something happen this week. And I think uh, the price is fine. Um, you're kind of paying for the volatility and the upside. They built in a lot of the course history stuff, but I still think he's an okay play this week as well. Um, next, you got Norlander. I might just go back to the well with Norlander again. He's another one of those guys, though, that he's priced up a little bit. Um, he's been playing really well. 14th in approach, 8th in green regulation, 18th in one of the proximity stats I like. He's uh, 19th tee to green, 14th in approach. I think I might have already said that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind a little Norlander at 7,400. 7, Rounding out the top 20 are Rory and Siwoo Kim. Um, like I said, I mentioned Rory's course history. He's still hitting the ball pretty well. He's seventh in opportunities gained, second, uh, 22nd in ball striking. He is second in driving distance, and he's ninth in those 200-plus long irons. Um, so, again, Rory and Siwoo both have some interest there. Um, Siwoo, world-class short game, decent history here. He had a third in 2019. Um, so I can kind of get behind that. Kyle Stanley... 
is showing up in my model. Sam Burns, Matthew Wolf, all those guys kind of uh, look like okay plays to me this week. Um, so let's check out, I'm gonna build in, uh, so this is where my stat model is layered on top of course history stuff. Um, so just to give you a little flavor of what that looks like, um, first in my rankings is Dustin Johnson, surprise, surprise. Uh, he's first in all the stat models and he also has good history here, so it shouldn't be a total shock um, that he is at the top of this list. Um, I also mixed in a little shorter term ball striking into this just to um, kind of get recent form baked in a little more. Uh, next on the list is Bubba Watson. We know his course history and the ball striking is good, so not a surprise to see him there. Adam Scott, third in this mixed model. Um, again, we know the history won last year. I think he's been hitting the ball pretty well. Um, Rory's fourth when you bring in course history, so that jumped him all the way up from 19th to fourth when you brought course history into the fold. Um, so that makes things pretty interesting. Keegan Bradley, fifth on the list still, still showing up. He's one of the only low price guys that pops like that. So, um, you know, maybe another case to be made for Bradley. Next on the list is Matsuyama, followed by Leishman, Finau, Xander, Taylor Gooch rounding out the top 10. Justin Thomas comes in 11th um, when you bring in the course history stuff. I did throw in Torrey Pines as a course comp as well. There seems to be correlation there. Um, so that could be dragging Justin down just a little bit. He's 37th at Torrey Pines, um, and I put that on a pretty long-term time frame. Um, but at some of the other sort of local course mix, uh, I think um, he kind of trends okay there. Kokrak uh, and Brendan Steele popping up as well, course history-wise. Um, and then Morikawa, as we mentioned, as uh, a decent play this week. Luke List, 7,300. He has decent history here, um, and he's looking really good in the short term. I like Luke List at 7,300 as well. Um, rounding out the top 20, you got Hoffman, Garcia, Charles Howell, and Max Homa, um, and then John Rahm coming in there right ahead of Bryson and Hovland as well. So um, a lot of the big guys still popping, even when you bring course history into the mix. Um, so I kind of like... A lot of those guys. Uh, now we have a few minutes left, so I'm just going to go through um, just quickly through the pricing and tell you the guys that stand out to me in each pricing category. Um, top of the board, as far as my rankings go, it's DJ, Justin, and Rom are the top three. I think Rory is kind of the odd man out as far as stats go. We already talked about his history; he's a little better and pops him up there. But um, I think from my perspective, I like starting with either Dustin or Justin at the very top. Justin, based on ownership, Dustin probably has slightly more win equity, um, but it's very close. Um, working my way down here, we talked about Brooks, I think, is a smash play in GPPs, and maybe just in general, if he's going to be 8% owned. Um, I'm considering making a bet on him at 25-1, to 1, but um, I'm going to kind of decide that as I go. Um, Another other guys popping up in some of these ranges. I like Neiman in that upper eights range. We talked about how that might go a little uh, lower owned, so I definitely like like Neiman there. Um, we talked about Will Z. We talked about Henley in that upper sevens range. Corey Connors is also popping in the 7500 range. Um, let's see, Cam Davis. I don't mind. We talked about that um, down here in like the low sevens. Um, Lanto Griffin, 7,400. He's eighth in opportunities gained, 21st and uh, seventh, respectively, in two of the proximity stats I like, long irons. Um, 
I think his around the green game is pretty trash. Uh, so that's sort of the concern there. But um, at 7,400, I don't mind a little Lanto. He likes tough courses as well. Um, Sam Burns, sort of similar situation, bad around the green game. Everything else is popping, um, so don't mind him. Um, let's see who else jumps out here. We talked about Keegan popping a little bit. Russell Knox, I just don't think this course fits well, but he is kind of showing up in some stats down here. Um, I just don't think he's long enough off the tee, and he kind of melted down on Sunday, so... Um, probably staying off there we talked about Brendan Steele I think the stats are just a mixed bag but um, he does have some merit I think Wyndham Clark he's third in driving distance in the field he's 19th of long irons his short game is really good um, he's just kind of a bomber that the irons are bad but um, I think because everybody's gonna be have trouble hitting greens this week he has a good short game and he's long off the tee I think that's enough at 7,100, if he can be a cut maker for you, I think I, I like him down there. Um, Kyle Stanley, as I mentioned, he is popping in a lot of stats. He's fourth in uh, 175 to 200 proximity. He's also fourth in 150 to 175, and he's sixth in green regulations gained. He's seventh in good drives gained, 28th in ball striking, ninth in approach. Um, yeah, I I totally see Kyle Stanley as a really nice play down here in 77,000. He's going to be like 5% owned. I think he's a, he's a really nice uh, low price guy. We talked about Doug, Doug Gim, also like him, um, working our way down way into the sixes here. I still think there are some guys we can get away with down here. Um, we talked about Von Taylor's course history. The stats don't really line up for me, but Harold Varner, already mentioned him, 11th in my model. He's all the way down at 6,700. People are going to be off him because he burned so many people last week. Um, I definitely like some HV3. Uh, Doc Redman, we talked about one here in his U.S. Amateur. I don't know if he's played here since. His stats are just okay, but he's one of those guys that we know he has some pretty good pedigree. Um, he's a he's a pretty, I think 6,600 is probably a little bit too low of a price for his upside. Um, we know he can he can sort of sneak into a top five and stuff like that. So I'm probably going to have a little piece of Redman down there. Um, if we're getting way down the board, we talked about Sun Kang. I'm just going to be very clear here. That's totally just a course history play, and because he made the cut last week, maybe he's feeling some good vibes, but I'm looking at the stats right now. It is atrocious. He is 118th in approach. He's he's literally 100th or worse in every single category. Um, so, I mean, just want to be very clear here. Sun Kang, maybe like one out of 20 lineups, you punt with him. Um, otherwise, I just think um, I like some other guys around here a little bit better. If we're going way down the board, C.T. Pan played here in the U.S. Amateur. Um, I don't really like his course fit that much, um, but if you want another course history guy, maybe you can talk yourself into him. Um, Wesley Bryan has a good finish here, and his stats are doing okay. Seventh in approach in the field. Um, he's top 30 in a lot of other stats at 6,100. He's almost like the stone men. Um, his... Like, the course fit is almost non-existent. Like, it's the opposite of the type of course I like him at, but he has, like, a third here a few years ago. So I don't really know what to make of that. Maybe it's just, like, he's a good wind player. Um, but, yeah, if you want to, like, totally punt, I, I can kind of see that. Um, everything else, though, down here, uh, Andy Ogletree's stats look really bad, but he did play here in the U.S. Amateur and did okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of ugly down here. I wouldn't go too low. I think the highest... Or the lowest I'd go is probably Doc Redmond at 66. Um, or, like, if you want to make a case for, like, Joel Damon at 69. 
Um, we can talk about Camp Champ. He's missed three cuts here. I don't think the course fit is very good because his short game is so atrocious. Um, but he is a volatile guy who scores a lot. So, um, and he's first in the field in driving distance. So make take that with what you will. But uh, I think that's kind of where I'm going to cap it off here, guys. We're getting right on an hour here. So um, good luck to you next week. I hope everything works out. And uh, get some green screens. Bye.